Hi, and welcome to a special edition podcast at the CSE, not the Cannabis Stock Exchange, but the Canadian Securities Exchange. And today I'm here with Jeff Geo uh, from Millennial Strategies, LLC. Why am I here with Jeff? Well, I'm not going to do the talking. I'm going to leave that up to Jeff. Jeff, um, tell us a little bit about what you do, why you're here, and what Millennial Strategies is all about. Barrington, great to be with you. Really appreciate your time today. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, love, love, uh, the, I'm going to talk about, you know, perhaps my two favorite things, you know, like my myself and cannabis. Um, so so I, I, like we could not be better situated to have a fun conversation today. I am one of the two partners at Millennial Strategies LLC. We are a New York state based um, government government and public relations firm. So we, we, we do a lot of lobbying work on on the federal level, on the state level and um, throughout multiple municipalities. Um, and we've expanded our reach um, into Connecticut, New Jersey um, recently as well. Um, and, and ever since Governor, uh, former Governor Cuomo signed um, the MRTA into law, which is what created the recreational um, cannabis market, such as it is in New York, um, cannabis business has um, uh, um, amounted for about 75% of, of, of all the firms doing business. So we are, we are all in um, on working collaboratively with cool people to make um, New York State's um, adult use program as 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 robust and as uh, as equitable as it can possibly be. Uh, I'm going to backtrack a little for those who are new to this uh, sure. program or new to the industry or new to whatever. Maybe this, maybe the show. Um, what exactly does a lobbyist do? Because we hear the term all the time, and a lot of people who aren't in the know just think it's. Yeah, just people yelling at other people or um, trying there, to get there, ideas. There, there is some of that involved. Um, so you wouldn't be inaccurate to think that. Well, also, I think a, a lot of a lot of folks uh, associate lobbyists with like shady backroom deals and smoke filled rooms and stuff like that, which is also like not fully inaccurate. But like w- like the way I like to always explain it is that. You know, it, it, it is implicit within the U.S. Constitution that like like the people have the right to redress Congress for their grievances. So like the right to lobby, the right, the right for an individual to ask government for something um, that, that, that they or, or, or their constituency want um, is, is really a constitutionally protected right. And, 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 and that's what we do. Um, you know, we, we work with folks um, who, who, who want to make government better in some way or another um, and um, are, are, are looking to achieve a, cer- a certain goal and, and work collabor- collaboratively with one or more levels of government to be able to do that. No, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's it's government for the people, by the people. And, uh, and, and you know what? And that, that branches really nicely into this, this topic of cannabis. And it has been divisive. It's been helpful. It's been um two-sided it's the the largest industry growth industry in the world uh currently as well as having a quality of life impact um which some people are trying to measure but it can't really be measured um but let's get to let's get to new york state right and there's the first round of licenses it's uh it's called the card licenses c-a-u-r-d can you tell us a little bit about that and what your thoughts are Right. So um, last Monday, New York State issued the very first dispensary licenses um, statewide. They issued 36 of, of, of what are referred to as card licenses, um, which is 
which which is which is someone uh, which are licenses that award to folks specifically who have been impacted in some way by the criminal justice system and by the war on drugs. So the folks who get the first crack at um, at, at owning and operating a an adult use dispensary are folks um, who, who who were unjustly affected by the criminal justice system years prior. So a lot of the folks that that, that receive licenses are folks who who may, may have served um, you know prison time or something like that. Um, for a low-level marijuana conviction and and and, and things of that nature, um, so so the the very first the very first ones went out. Uh, there's going to be more because um, like cer- certain regions of the state, of course, are injuncted by a lawsuit. Um, but 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 places like Manhattan, um, Long Island, um, the Hudson Valley um, have started to get licenses given out, um, and the. The hope, as declared by um, New York State's governor um, and the powers that be here, is that at least some of those dispensaries will be up and running by the end of the year. Um, and that, that that would really be a, a tremendous achievement if you look at how long it's taken for, for some of these other states um, to become fully functional um, after um, an, an, act, an acting legislation was passed and or a referendum was passed. Um, Massachusetts took some three years um, and New York can pull it off in half the time. Uh, President Biden made headlines by offering a, an expungement for those who had a criminal record. Um, and I know I'm, I'm completely paraphrasing. So right. it's uh, how does this will this affect it? Will this affect any of those card licenses? Uh, will this affect the progress that New York State has made as, as far as going forward with the with the regulations? Is there an it- impact at all? Unfortunately, not really. I mean, the the clemency granted by President Biden affects a very, very narrow constituency of people who have who have federal convictions for cannabis. The vast majority of convictions are on the state level. But but what what it really was, what was a signal um, to the states from the White House um, that, 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 that they are supportive of, of, of trying to make progress on cannabis reform. Um, cause the, the president also, uh, the same day announced, um, that his, his department of health and human services in t- intends to look further into how to effectively deschedule marijuana, um, or cannabis. Um, the, you know, unfortunately the, the federal government here, um, views, views cannabis, through the same through the same drug scheduling light as as really really addictive um, illegal drugs like heroin and cocaine, and um, I, 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 it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to realize that's unjust. Um, and if you federally descheduled, um, th- that would be the, a really positive step in the right direction to allow for um, the, the movement of cannabis across state lines, um, and um, like it's certainly a step towards being able to like you know you know having have multi-state operations uh, as opposed to right now where it is illegal you know to, to to move a cannabis product even between you know two two permissive markets like New York and Massachusetts or New or, or New York and New Jersey. Um, and you know, for those, uh, that might be, that might be following, uh, the program and following the Canadian securities exchange, we've been speaking for years that one of the greatest impacts to change that will change, uh, the landscape of cannabis in North America, but particularly in the United States is the erasing of borders and the, the ability to, to transport it. I think it'll have a bigger impact than legalization. I think it'll have a bigger impact than say banking. I think it that will be the number one um, change for the for the face of the industry, and and I stand by those statements. No, I'm inclined to agree with you. 
Um, now, uh, let's talk about New York State. And it, it has it has the microscope on it. Everyone is looking at New York State and and how is it how is it positioned to do better than the other markets than you know Connecticut, Massachusetts, and we're just talking um <laughs> on the East Coast, never mind the West Coast, which is of course California, and it shouldn't be a you know west side versus east side thing, but it's they're they're different markets. But how is New York State positioned? Because we know in the next two to three years, it has the potential to be a number, a top three uh, cannabis area in the world. I, I attended a conference not long ago where where there are some really, really well-established international cannabis operators who, who, who reiterated over and over again that the two biggest cannabis growth markets in the world um, are the state of New York and Germany, um, w- w- which really puts this in perspective and, and, and crystallizes the point you were making. I think New York is in is is, is is in a great position because one, we didn't go first. Um, we were able to take a look at Colorado, Washington State, uh, California, Massachusetts, Illinois, etc., um, and and see what worked and what didn't work. Um, and, and take take a little bit of, of, of every state and try to homogenize it into into the best program it can possibly be. Um, and if you really look at a New York system, um, we really are borrowing stuff from from the best parts um, of all these other programs. Uh, and also, um, you know, New York is you know the third the third largest economy in the United States um, behind California and Texas. Which certainly positions it well to to excel here, um, and and most importantly, um, you know, we also within our borders have the financial capital of the world in the island of Manhattan. And you know, when when you look at you know trying to infuse the cannabis industry with the entertainment industry, um, which of course is huge um, in New York, and the tourism industry, we really have a chance to. To be to be the place in the United States that, that finally gets it right as it pertains to things like micro businesses, on-premise consumption, um, you know that kind that that kind of space, which is a place that like m- most most places in the U.S. haven't gone yet, um, and I think New York is in prime position to be able to, to get it right and serve as you know a shining example for 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 other states and perhaps other places around the world, um, you know, to, to be modeled after. And, you know, th- th- there's a lot of folks who do what I do and do what you do, um, who are, who are working really hard to m- make sure that that reality is reached because that's, that's the potential. Um, and like the, the fall short of that would be really unfortunate. Yeah. And, and, and folks, you know, keep in mind uh, when Jeff says, you know, it, New York will, will be the, the model. New York won't get it. 100% right. No one will. Oh, no, but no. New York needs to New York needs to and I think it can uh come closer than anybody else has um especially with the the recognition of of the the social impact and um and then combining the legacy market which I guess sort of leads to the next question as to what will happen to the legacy market um once New York state comes online fully. Well, I mean, well, right now the legacy market is thriving, right? I, I, I mean, let's make no mistake about it. You walk into Times Square or you walk around the Lower East Side of Manhattan, um, like the you don't find the legacy market. The legacy market finds you, um, and you know that, that that that's largely because you know we have we have all all but fully decriminalized marijuana, uh, cannabis rather, um, and um, so you 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 have folks who are operating within this like black slash gray space. 
um, and are dispensing it rather rather openly. Um, and you know, the, the, the state indicates that it's largely a local law enforcement problem to rectify it. Um, you know, the New York PD you know, uh, police department doesn't you know is not equipped nor has a desire to really crack down on it. Um, and and so as a result, um, you have you, you have a really really prosperous uh, gray market right now. Um, and as as more dispensaries will come online, I I, I do think that's going to be dissipated somewhat. Um, but like it's it's, it's going to it's going to be a minute before the legal market is able to compete with with what the illegal market is able to produce. Um, and also, you know, you, you do have a tangible amount of localities outside of New York City that have opted out um, that are not going to be allowing for dispensary activity within their border. The largest being Nassau County, um, the, the, the very large suburb to the east of, of Queens. That's that, that's a county of you know, one point three million people that is not going to allow dispensary activity at all. Um, but those people are still going to consume cannabis. They're going to get it one way or another. Um, and, you know, th- that is going to allow for the illicit market out there to, to, to continue to operate. It's going to be a while before you have like, like the complete eradication of, of illicit operators. It's going to be until the supply chain on the legal side um, is, is going to be one, able to match what, what um, the illicit market is able to offer. And, and two, um, that like that the, the, the legal market is more lucrative to operate in than the illicit market is. And that's not the case right now. And it won't be the case, you know, in the next, you know, six months. Well, I, I, I think the, I think the illicit market is, is going to be around for a really long time. And right. I actually, and I propose this on a few shows, think that it's necessary and it's necessary as far as a checks and balances, as far as uh, price quality, uh, safety, it's sort of needed. I don't know for how long, but it's actually needed to say, okay, um, the, the current operators had to come from somewhere. I mean, you know, this, this thing hasn't just, hasn't just popped up. And instead of being, instead of competing against the illicit market, we need to find a way to, um, to bring it in, um, to bring it in, into the fold. Yeah, uh, and, and 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 that's something that I that I, I've been really happy to see New York doing. Um, so, uh, you know, like one, like New York is a 100% labor peace state, right? So, so all of the legal cannabis jobs are going to be are going to be unionized jobs from seed to sale, and the, the folks who work in that space have been very clear that, um, but like the, they are they are not intimidated by folks who work who actively work in the legacy market at all. Um, like like they, they they very much want those folks with that experience. Also, like the state is actively reaching out to legacy operators to to find out like okay if if you, if you were to, if you were to go into um, you know the, the legal market like what would your needs be like like how like how would you deal with w- with running a business that has to be a little more transparent um like like like, like what what would your labor situation look like etc um like do, would you need help providing benefits to people and things of that nature um and those conversations have been ha- ha- happening for a while now um so so the state has been building that infrastructure and has been leaning into the leaning in um to legacy operators and i, I and i think they're going to continue to do so um, what's the likelihood of federal legalization? Oh boy. Is it? All right. I'm telling people, um, uh, actually I'm repeating something that I heard that it's, uh, it's five years away from being five years away. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I, I've think, been... I, I think that's right. I, I mean, look, you know, 
they're like this 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 current Congress that is now go, now in, in a lame duck session. The House of Representatives did did pass um, some descheduling stuff, um, and like you, one would think that there are enough red state U.S. senators um, in in pretty pretty permissive cannabis markets. You know, looking in your direction, Alaska, Oklahoma, etc. Um, that that you, that you would be able to muster sixty votes in the Senate to be able to do it, but but we're we're, we're just not there yet. Um, and you know that it's it, it, it is going to take um, a breaking of the filibuster within the next month, um, or which is highly unlikely, or um, you know you, you, you're going to need um, you know a, probably a Democrat holding the Speaker's gavel in the House again. And, you know, find, find, finding a way to get 60 senators to be able to agree on it, um, which, you know, p- puts you in the position of being five years away from being five years away. Do we do the do the big players and the people making a lot of money um, really want legalization? And you know why? You know why I'm asking? I mean, you're making if it ain't broke. Don't fix it, right? Yeah. So, so uh, just to be clear, like, like the big multi-state operators, you know, certainly would have to change their, their, their business model. If you saw full federal, um, you know, full full federal decriminalization and descheduling, right. Because like, you know, if if you, if you just look at it from an agricultural perspective, right. Like, you know, you, you would go from having like all the states have to cultivate their own to cultivation taking place nationally in the places where it's cheapest um, to, to, to grow product. So you like if we waved a magic wand and, and, and I'm looking at you, Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah. Well, you, even even though it's not a state, I, I know I know it's not, but I'm looking hard at Puerto Rico. Oh, sure. Well, any place you can grow year round. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if we if we, if we waved our magic you know, cannabis wand um, and and the United States became Canada as far as as, you know, decriminalization, legalization, you're you're going to see all the cannabis grown um, certainly in 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 Puerto Rico and in the tropics and stuff, but also um, in the places where traditionally um, you've seen a lot of tobacco being grown um, where you have the cheapest labor. Um, and that's going to be, that's going to be Georgia. It's going to be Florida. It's going to be Alabama and Mississippi. And so you would don't forget, don't forget Carolina. Oh, sure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So so, like you would have a situation where like the Budweiser of American cannabis came from the South. Um, and like, you know, like the the product that is grown, you know, in New York or Massachusetts or whatever the case may be, um, is going to be more like your craft IPAs and stuff like that. If you're going to, if you're, if you're, if you're going to compare it to beer. Um, like the cheap stuff that most folks would consume um, w- would come from the South, which 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 is would just be so ironic considering um, that like some of those those folks have been the most you know vocal gateway drug you know advocates. But when but but when you're telling them that you know in a time where tobacco use is rapidly declining, you could replace that product with with, with you know something that is representative of the largest growth market in the world. All of a sudden, folks could sing a different tune. And uh, you know what? You make a really good point uh, bringing up tobacco because I was at a conference, um, could have been Chicago, could have been New York, but uh, they were talking about tobacco and tobacco being in and around the industry. And I I think it was one of the the big US MSOs who was saying like tobacco can't get into it the way that tobacco got into tobacco 
because of the negative connotations that people have associated with tobacco. But of course, it has the infrastructure, the knowledge, the, the technology and the experience and all of those things and the for money. a very similar, similar brand. And um, it would have to be a, a complete overhaul revamping of the way people's perceptions separating the all the bad things with tobacco and all the, the benefits and um, the good things with cannabis. So it's uh, um, which, of course, leads me to the last and final point, because we're talking about agriculture and and product um in canada we had an oversupply we had a huge oversupply in 2021 where i think they burned i know they burned over or destroyed uh over 200 tons oh that is tragic i think it's 212 or maybe 260 100 percent from the year before so from That's how far away system. from that burn could you get a contact high do you think <laughs> there is video on youtube of uh of a news reporter it was pretty much within 10 seconds uh, he couldn't oh, finish. Bet. He couldn't finish the the report. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about oversupply and sure. um, what uh, what can be done. Because I was speaking with 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 Vlad from the Happy Monkey. Shout out to the Happy Monkey crew. He was saying that the one of the things he was saying is that the the issue won't be won't be oversupply. It's going to be undersupply once everything actually gets up and running. There will be more than enough demand um to go around right now there's you know a very very small minuscule number of medical patients uh in proportion to the rest of the population that's just in the new york state area um we're not even talking connecticut and uh, new jersey and in all those places but as of right now what do you think can be done with the oversupply of cannabis that's currently in new york state well, well, so r- right now you have a situation where you have your, your conditional cultivators who were growing it, you know, and mostly in upstate New York. Uh, and they've been growing it since since April when those licenses were given out. Um, and now they have they have this product, which is which is almost 100 percent an outdoor product, um, which is not stuff most folks would want to smoke. Um, and the dispensaries aren't open yet. So like we're, we're starting um, like in this little microverse of conditional cultivators and conditional um, retailers with, with a bit of an oversupply problem. But um, what, what, what Vlad is 100% right about is that once the, once the market gets going and once the dispensaries start to open up, um, th- there's definitely going to be more supply than demand. And, you know, to pivoting to your earlier point, you know, like the, the, the concern is going to be that folks are, are going to continue to turn to the black market um, because um, because they're not not going to have the same problem, um, and so like 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 states are always managing this incredibly delicate balance, and it's, it's again this is another one of the things um, that federal descheduling can help with because California has a similar problem; they have a massive oversupply um, because cultivation hasn't been adequately managed. Um, like you know, what, what would be great is if there was like a statewide piece of blockchain technology that was able to like accurately track. Um, you know, how much is being grown versus like how much is actually being sold and, and, and like trying to carefully manage um, how much product we put out there. Um, but, you know, like also it's a free market and like you can't really tell people how much they can grow and how much they can't grow. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that, that's a, it's a really, really delicate balance that, that, that folks have to strike. Um, and like, you know, our, our marketplace is going to face a myriad of supply chain issues um, at, as it tries to get off the ground. No, Jeff, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, the growers that have been doing this since April, 
you know, they've they've fine-tuned their technique and they've they've made the the appropriate relationships and and all of those things. Um and right now it's <laughs> the the illicit market has never had as good the the best quality weed that's out there. Um, I think this this is the time. This is the oh, time yeah. that if you're going to look for actually really really good cannabis in the illicit market, it's never been better. Um, because as we know, and we're being frank, we're being honest, um, the weed from the legal market, if you can't find a home, it's going to find a home. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, um, and, and 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 understand too that like when when these conditional dispensaries, the card licensees, open up their doors, you know, next month, the month after, whatever the case may be, you're not they're, you're not they're not going to be selling flour. Um, it's not going to be like walking into a dispensary in in Toronto or in Boston, um, where 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 you have a wide variety of flour to choose from. It's going to be vapes and distillates and things like that, um, because the market's not mature enough to produce like high quality, you know, indoor grown hydroponic flour. Um, it's out there in the black market for sure, um, but um, it's it, it's not going to be in these dispensaries. Well, uh, Jeff, I just want to say that uh, thank you uh, for taking the time to talk a little bit about what you do, talk about New York State, and, and of course, millennial strategies. Jeff, if people want to get in touch with you or get in touch with your company or organization, how can they find you? Sure. Um, you can find us at millennialstrat.com. Is is our website. Um, and, um, we, we have a cool little chat bot there you can engage with. Um, and, um, yeah, we work with a bunch of folks who are applying for licenses right now, trying to find the right piece of real estate, trying to negotiate local government, that kind of thing. Um, and you also work with plenty of, you know, cannabis adjacent businesses who are looking to get into the market. Um, everything from, um, from testing to vaping to beverage, um, and, and back again. So, um, again, the website is millennialstrat, S-T-R-I-T dot com. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, final, final quick question. Are you receiving a lot of calls from Canadian retailers or Canadians who are looking to explore opportunities in the, in the U.S.? We, we, we've heard a little bit from, um, like, like, like venture capital folks, um, from, from Quebec and, 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 and Ontario for sure. Um, and I know that um, like some of some of the Native American tribes that we're friendly with have certainly been working with folks from across the border um, to, to, to to compare what those markets can look like, because um, some some of the tribal reservations, notably like the St. Regis Mohawk, have had, um, you know, have had a pretty robust dispensary infrastructure already. Um, so like that's that, that's the extent to which um, we, we, we have talked to our, our, our friends from the north, but always always welcome more engagement. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of all things Canadian. Well, thank you. And we're a huge fan of you and of millennial strategies. Thank you to yourself and to the wonderful team that you have behind you. Right. Um, I've been your host, Barrington Miller. Thank you for taking the time to check out the special edition report uh, brought to you courtesy of the Canadian Securities Exchange. Check us out on the next episode.